1: Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of someone calling into Sports Talk Radio. Yeah,
3: this is Flo, longtime caller, first time on air. I just wanted to say that I think it is absolute hogwash not to go out there and try Progressive's Name Your Price tool. You could see all your
0: coverage options, and options are how you get rings, championship rings, and parades of rings.
1: Finding options to fit your budget with the Name Your Price tool, only at Progressive.com.
3: You know, not for nothing, but my favorite rings of candy on them.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Price and coverage match limited
3: by state law.
4: Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, September eighth, the day after Labor Day weekend. I'm Jake Litarski here alongside Eric Katuria. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find me at jakeski52. You can follow Eric at et cat 30 we got some serious stuff to get into today but for now something a little bit frivolous based on last night's game eric where will braxton miller be going in fantasy drafts next year uh,
3: it's probably contingent upon how he uh fares this season you know of like course. he looked great in the first game uh he looked like a uh, decent pass catcher really good hands he had two two catches and uh two really electric plays in the game
4: yeah the guy looks uh pretty good so far of course don't want to go to Overreact City just yet, but I mean, ceiling, Randall Cobb, he was a college quarterback. Floor, I don't know, maybe Peter Warwick, something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. He'll fall I'm... somewhere in between there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit You're too right. early to tell there, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, something in the range. Thought we'd start out with something a little bit more fun today, but uh, once again, Tuesday Fantasy Football Podcast, we'll be focusing on waiver wire targets during the regular season. However, with week one still yet to kick off, we're going to go ahead and go over breaking news. A lot of teams came out with NFL depth charts today, their initial depth charts, so there's a lot of fantasy impact going on there. And then we'll continue with the theme that DVR and Nick started in Monday's podcast. They went over the over-under win totals in the NFC. Eric and I will go over the AFC teams, look at some over-under win totals, basically. Maybe make a call in over-under and and, and some things that could be contingent upon that. Those over-under totals are courtesy of sportsbook.ag. Before we get going here, one final reminder that uh, this podcast is now available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. Of course, we always appreciate any and all feedback help makes us better, helps keep us on our toes. Without further ado, let's get to the top news of the day. And I mentioned a lot of depth chart action going on today, and some of the biggest news, quite possibly, is coming out of Atlanta, where Tevin Coleman is listed as the starting running back on the Falcons official site for week one we know Devonte freeman and coleman have been kind of competing for that spot their adp has been neck and neck freeman's maybe been a little bit slowed down uh towards a hamstring injury but there's still a couple days left to draft how are you treating this news and and how much value i guess can you put on a guy like tevin coleman okay so if we go back a
3: month to early august um both freeman and uh coleman suffered grade one hamstring strains mm-hmm. and the fact that uh Freeman is still dealing with dealing with his, whereas Coleman is seems to be healthy is kind of an issue here. And that's probably the main reason he actually got the gig. He had some reps under his belt during uh, the preseason slate here. Um, So we realize, and and it's good for Coleman too, like he had off season foot surgery and he was (laughs) still able to recover quickly from this, uh, you know, training camp uh, injury anyway. So in seven years under Mike Smith, He's actually ridden a running back the first five years. It was Michael Turner, and the last two was Stephen Jackson. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just knowing like Mike Smith's history, he's, he's an offensive guru. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like the fact that Coleman got this out of the bat or right out of the bag, like it's it's good for his value, of course.
4: Yeah, I, I can't argue with that at all. And and Coleman, uh, I always look at ADP. The ADP had seemed to be trending in the direction of Coleman, uh, although neither. Neither guy's really considered RB2s or RB3s even, but I think you could start to creep Coleman into RB2 territory. I mentioned ADP, Tevin Coleman, 31 among running backs, whereas Devontae Freeman, 35 among running backs. Uh, I'd expect in those last couple NFFC drafts over the next few days for that disparity to widen just a little bit. Of course, most leagues have drafted already. Now, I did uh, did a Keeper League auction uh, recently, and Coleman, part of this is due to owners... Spending too much early on, but Coleman went right in the uh, twenty to twenty-two dollar range. Uh, I know based on our preseason projections at the time of auction, I had him as a value at, at twenty-two fifty-six on a two hundred dollar budget. Two hundred dollars, okay. Yep. Yeah, Just want yeah, to exactly. clarify Just, that. I don't know. I find two hundred to be common for football, but one hundred, of course, is is pretty common as well. So yeah. feel free to cut that in half to about ten eleven dollars for a guy like Coleman. But yeah, I mean, I'm starting to be a little more optimistic on him. Got to see a little bit of him at indiana of course up in big 10 country here had a pretty respectable preseason once he got over that hamstring injury and was back in line so i think you can absolutely rationalize putting him in rb2 territory especially for week one already now as freeman gets healthier maybe they start to share a little bit of the carries but you mentioned mike smith going with that workhorse guy and even last season, at Freeman got a couple carries, Antoine Smith got a couple carries, and, and some big plays in there, but really Atlanta, despite a, a somewhat shaky offensive line at times, at least they're going to have a workhorse to go by. Yeah, and I mean, if you follow big, I mean, we follow Big Ten
3: football. If you saw any Indiana last year, which might not have been the case since they weren't very good, mm-hmm. um, he was behind a patchwork to say the least offensive line had no playmakers around him and yet he had nearly as good a season as melvin gordon of wisconsin so he's an incredibly electric player he had some of the longest uh he ripped off some of the longest plays of the season and had a fair amount of them as well.
4: Yeah, and he, he might even be a great play for your DraftKings Week yeah. 1 lineups there. Uh, I don't have salaries up right now. I'll work those so we can work with them later in the show, but I'm sure there's plenty of value to be had there, especially because of the big playability and overall explosiveness. And, yeah,
3: so they play the Eagles in Week 1. The Eagles' offense, we know, had runs an incredibly quick offense, meaning the Falcons, by proxy, should actually get a lot of possessions in this mm-hmm. game yeah
4: the, yeah by default they'll win the time of possession battle just and, because of how the philly offense moves
3: so that means uh yeah like just that fact alone means coleman is a great play
4: yeah absolutely i, I definitely agree with and he's you. Pro- right and
3: he's probably not like his salary probably isn't like restrictive either
4: yeah and uh i did just call the draft king salary up if you are putting together a lineup for let's say the ten million dollar millionaire maker in week one. Tevin Coleman's sitting with a pretty nice salary at forty eight hundred. So there's wow. uh there's surely some some profit to be had there when you look at just for perspective, the top guys are Jamal Charles seventy nine hundred, Matt Forte seventy eight hundred, Adrian Peterson seventy seven hundred. And in a format like DraftKings where it is PPR, mm-hmm. I I always like to when I'm putting my DraftKings lineup together to kind of go for uh I don't want to say lower tier running backs, but kind of high upside guys and uh, pay up for wide receivers who are more likely to get those big games in terms of receptions. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: So speaking of uh, another injury, possibly situation here that might have some effects on your DraftKings lineup week one, we're going to head over to Chicago and discuss Elshon Jeffrey a little bit, dealing with what I believe is a, a calf issue. And the Bears have been pretty quiet about uh, this whole situation. Of course, no official injury reporting requirements yet until tomorrow, I believe, until Wednesday. Wednesday. So they can be pretty questionable about this. Now I get the sense uh, from Chicago's perspective that if you're looking to profit from this situation in your daily lineups – You're probably going to have to wait till Sunday morning, about an hour and a half before kickoffs, to really see uh, how this is going to play out. Because while Alshon Jeffrey wasn't really uh, participating in practice, uh, still optimistic. And at the same time, Eddie Royal, who's dealing with a hip injury, and Marquez Wilson, who's dealing with a hamstring injury, they're both back in practice, so they should presumably be available now. I kind of like Eddie Royal in the DraftKings format, to be honest, just because of the PPR. And we know the longevity isn't there with Royal, but historically over the last couple seasons, he's had big week one, week two games. And if Jeffrey's out, do you think Eddie Royal benefits the most from this? He's sitting at 3,900 on DraftKings, or do you think the target's spread apart elsewhere? I mean, I guess this is how I would break down the uh, um, target
3: situation if Jeffrey does sit or is incredibly limited in this game. Martellus Bennett, I think, is a clear number one. Mm-hmm. We've seen in the past that Matt Forte is one of the better, if not the best, uh, pass catching running back in the league. Mm-hmm. I would say he's probably number two, and then after that point, it kind of goes down a tier. And Eddie Royal mm-hmm. probably sits top that. Um, uh, so number three, but the top wideout in Chicago.
4: Yeah, and who knows where that's going to go with Jay Cutler? Of course, a brand new system there for Eddie Royal, who spent some time with San Diego most recently. Mm-hmm. And for me. I'm not using Eddie Royal in a cash games. I mentioned my DraftKings strategy where I like to go with more stable receivers. So I'm looking sure. for guys that are proven and, and not even – I'm even hesitant a little bit on, on, on potential breakout candidates like Brandon Cooks and Jordan Matthews. For week one, I'm going with my established guys, my the Julio Jones and the A.J. Greens and Randall Cobb, assuming he's, he's healthy and ready to go. Sure. I'm going with the guys who are with the team, and uh, you have some expectations as to what they're going to get. That being said, if I'm doing a $2 tournament or something and hoping to cash big, or even really the Millionaire Maker is a pretty big tournament that's going to require some risks, Uh, I think Eddie Royal is a fair play, but if that's the case, I'm setting my lineup now and looking to maybe make some additions at about 10.30 a.m. Central Time on Sunday morning based on what I see in those active and inactive reports, and of course, you can go to RotoWire for all the latest and up to date information on who's in, who's out, what the roles are expected to be. We try to gather as much information as possible. Put it in your hands on Sunday mornings. Again, quick plug, slash free for full access to the website there. Yeah, yeah,
3: so Eddie Royal, just from past seasons, how he starts the season, you know, mm. he starts off with, you know, three touchdowns within the first two weeks. Yep. Um, Just that, having that in the back of your mind makes him like a Good tournament play if you want to, you know, throw somebody out there, just like throw a dart, have a lottery ticket, I guess.
4: And I don't know if the gas runs out in the tank and that's partially responsible for the drop off or if uh, just because he's a veteran and he has established looks, simple routes, you know what to expect from him. It's hard to diagnose the reason, but I most definitely fell into that trap in years past where I spent maybe a $15, 20 fab bid on Royal only to watch him fizzle out the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to advocate on this podcast all year long, being aggressive early on in the waiver wire market. Uh, next Tuesday, if, if you only listen here and there next Tuesday is going to be a very important podcast to listen to as Eric and I run down top to bottom position by position, your big targets. Cause sometimes yeah. these week one targets uh, see, for example, Justin Forsett last year, really yeah. uh, make or break your seasons uh, because you can find top 10 value in someone that's sitting on the waiver wire. So We'll likely mention Eric, or I'm sorry, Eddie Royal on on Tuesday. How much to bid and how much, how long is utility before remains to be seen. And of course, that's all dependent on the Elshon Jeffries situation. But another interesting group of wide receivers today as we head to Buffalo. Here I'm looking at, uh, of course, Sammy Watkins, the main man in in Buffalo. Uh, he'll be the top target, I'd assume, in the passing game. But alongside Watkins, we've got Percy Harvin and Robert Woods. Uh, Harvin dealing with a bit of a hip injury, and so is Woods, actually. But right now, they're listed as co-starters on the Bills' initial depth chart. Uh, Once again, can't emphasize enough, Sammy Watkins, number one, getting the majority of those targets there. Um, Does this change your fantasy outlook for either of these guys? I I haven't seen Woods taken in any of my drafts so far, and I've done drafts from 10-team to 16-team and auctions and whatnot. But Percy Harvin usually finds his way in the later rounds of the draft as... He's pretty much a high-risk, high-reward pick. He could just fizzle out once again, or he could be a beast in PPR, as he's proven to be in the past here. Does the fact that he's listed as a starter or co-starter change your outlook on Harvin at all? I think the fact that he's
3: listed with a hip injury is more worrisome than anything, mm-hmm. since he has had that issue in the past. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i personally not touching him. Um it may be because he played for two teams that I absolutely can't stand in his <laughs> career, in the uh, Vikings and Seahawks. And, you know, you always want to have fun with fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, competitive nature, you might, you know, say, uh, yeah, he he's a co-starter, like, I'll take that Mm -hmm. dart, and hopefully it lands. But uh, I don't know. I don't really like his injury history or the fact that he played for the uh, Vikes and Seahawks in his uh,
4: previous uh, landing spots. Mm -hmm. Looking at ADP for Harvin, he's still sitting at 54, so there are several backups that are ahead of him on... In terms of ADP, uh, looking specifically at guys like Reuben Randall and Devontae Parker, maybe a little yeah. bit more upside. Uh, it's tough to say because Harvin helped me win a PPR league during one of his uh, breakout years with Minnesota. They love throwing him the ball yeah. screens and whatnot. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a different Harvin, though, at this point. Absolutely <laughs> different Harvin. <Battle-hardened>. Meanwhile, <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, Robert Woods sitting at 75 overall in terms of ADP. Uh, he's been taken in places where, I mean, I've been in drafts for Jalen Strong, Cecil Shorts, Alan Hearns, Sanu. Uh, even Marquise Lee have been taken, but uh, still not seeing Robert Woods off the board too much. Woods could be—I I get the sense that we maybe will talk about him again on the free agent as like a a minimum bid. I don't know if we're ready for a complete breakout yet. Do you think? Would you agree with that, Eric? Uh yeah. I mean, we just have to take a wait and see approach with him for sure, and just see how like he he. Uh, How his chemistry works out with uh, Tyrod Taylor there Mm -hmm. as well. All right. I'm going to jump uh, ahead in the outline a little bit. We'll go back to these other guys later. But just because we're talking about the Bills, I do want to touch on LaShawn McCoy, who's dealing with a hamstring injury. He did take part in individual drills Tuesday, but... All indications are saying that it's pretty much a toss-up for Sunday, another situation where you need to watch the practice report. Uh, is he? Do you own any shares of McCoy, and is he in your Week 1 lineup right now? Not at all. I don't have shares, mm-hmm. and he probably wouldn't be in my lineup either.
3: And have they actually hashed out the situation behind McCoy yet? Do you know that? Yeah,
4: there's quite a bit uh, going on with the Bills' depth chart right now, I believe. I guess going from bottom. uh, Yeah, Carlos Williams has a pretty good chance, I think, uh, to be number two. Bryce Brown, I saw, was number four. He's always kind of in that third, fourth running back. But yeah, Carlos Williams, 22 years old, expected to open the season as the Bills' number two running back, according to Mike Rodak of ESPN, and that was written just this morning. So So then that leaves Anthony Dixon uh, at number three overall. So at least it's a clear path to carries for McCoy if they use him in that way. So a lot of times when you see these uh, depth charts, uh, you, a lot of
3: times the second running back is actually the pass catching option, the guy that will come in on third down mm-hmm. and spell the you know number one guy. But uh, Carlos Williams is not really known as a pass catcher; he's like strictly a runner. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that really bodes well for him. I mean, getting the bulk of the carries if McCoy does sit out on Sunday. Yeah.
4: Even if they do an even committee with two, three, and four. Yeah. on Sunday say McCoy does have to, to sit out it's going to be very hard to predict yeah. you know because I, 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 oh, yeah. I think of Anthony uh, aka Booby Dixon on some <laughs> uh, some Yahoo leagues last year I remember a little bit of confusion when looking on the waiver wire for him but I think he's really more someone that totes the rock and Bryce Brown is really the best pass catching option at least instinctually yeah. he's got experience in that role of course formerly uh for the philadelphia eagles there so it's going to be a complete toss-up i very much doubt there's any situation to take advantage I mean, of if shady does sit out
3: i it, let's say bryce brown was number two and williams is listed number four on the depth chart right now like i would probably be writing off carlos williams and just assuming bryce brown you know is the pass catching mm-hmm. guy there and uh then at that point maybe williams would get a little bit and dixon a little more Mm -hmm. Uh, of the workload but i i I like the fact that he's number two yeah yeah definitely it
4: it gives me some confidence in him at least mm -hmm. and there's plenty of names in buffalo that are going to be fantasy relevant over the course of the season but week one's one of those where I'm probably going to shy away from most oh, bills in my for sure yeah okay so moving on to another interesting wide receiver bunch I know we talked about depth charts a lot earlier in the year with some podcast themes and this stuff is all starting to kind of get rehashed again except with more concrete information heading into the regular season I'm going to jump on over to Cleveland the team that I cover <laughs> uh, for Rotowire here and they put out a depth chart today and they've got Brian Hartline and Andrew Hawkins as one two on the receiver depth chart with Dwayne Bowe listed as the number three wide receiver now I I can ask this and you can very well bounce it on back to me but is that more do you think that's more of a matter of Hartline Hawkins being good or Bo just being bad I mean remember
3: there were rumors in in the latter stages of the preseason that he was in danger of getting cut if he didn't actually perform in the fourth preseason game
4: yeah yeah I had read that he was playing for a
3: job yeah as scary as that is so I mean apparently he played well enough to keep the job and it may have been more so because they didn't want to look embarrassed for you know shelling out whatever they what did they shell I, th- I believe
4: him. it was nine million i've got his page right up uh, up right now i'm starting to look uh look at that to uh, okay. see if i can get some more but anyway, information but signed with the browns yeah I, I it was something along the lines of eight nine million yeah. so way too 9 much nine million for a guy sounds like right that. for yep. sure
3: so Bo dwayne Bo he turns 31 in less than two weeks there is kind of a cutoff age where you don't want to consider wide receivers i mean there is mm-hmm. a random Steve Smith and, I don't know, who are some other guys to succeed Marcus, well. Colston, to, Reggie yeah, ex- Wayne,
4: Roddy White. Right on. Uh, well, maybe not but Red those Red are Green, like but.
3: guys that, you know, are perennial all pros or pro bowlers at least. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dwayne Bowe has one pro bowl bid, in, which was in 2010. And since then, his productions dwindled all the way to... No touchdowns last year in 754 yards. Yeah. Which isn't very useful.
4: And and kind of to work in a little anecdote here, uh, seeing a lot of people, well, everything that I've read about Dwayne Bow has actually made me uh, more aggressive on a guy like Jeremy Macklin because everybody seemed to be down on Macklin this year because he's heading to the Chiefs and Alex Smith didn't throw a single touchdown to a wide receiver last year. They all went to the tight ends or running backs Mm -hmm. or, of course, ran it in and a lot of people were are down on Jeremy Macklin because oh well they had Dwayne Bow and they hardly used him last year but yeah. with everything I've been reading about Dwayne Bowe that actually makes me a little bit more bullish on a guy like Macklin because maybe Dwayne Bowe was just bad and it's yeah. time to accept that and there was a time when there was some fantasy relevance there and I'm still it doesn't make me sad because I'm seeing other schmucks end up drafting him, but <laughs> I see him being drafted in the late rounds of almost every draft I'm doing. And, and this mm-hmm. news today, if you're drafting tonight or tomorrow or, or I don't know, if some people draft even after Thursday their first morning. Thursday game, Thursday morning, whatever, <laughs> I, I don't see any reason why you would take Dwayne Bowe in a fantasy draft, even if it is a 14-team league. In a 16-teamer, Maybe, but when i 'm getting down to dwayne bow territory i 'm starting to look at guys like Prashad Perrierman uh Doriel Green Beckham uh just just rookies with even maybe even Devonte Parker just rookies with uh younger players with high upside that could potentially get you value as opposed to bow where you you essentially know what you 're getting there am I right yeah indeed, yeah mm-hmm.
3: um i'm just writing a off at this point, and even if he does have a great performance at some point this year mm-hmm. i'm just gonna like forget it. Forget that it even
4: happened. and not consider it at all for mm-hmm. his future uh, potential. Yeah, and as far as Browns go from a stan- fantasy standpoint, uh, I think Hawkins might bring some value in a 16-team PPR as a low-end wide receiver or four or five maybe. But other than that, I'm not, touch, cut, I'm not touching any of the pass-catching options. Isaiah Crowell has been gaining steam on my draft boards. I know I've advised against him earlier, but since they traded Terrence West and since Duke Johnson's going through concussion protocol, uh, they're, they activated, I think, Sean Drone from the practice squad and Glenn Winston, another running back there is, uh has been IR'd. So I'm actually starting to get a little more uh, optimistic on Crowell heading into week one. We'll see if they bring anybody else in to to uh shake that out a little bit but Crowell might not even be a bad matchup week one in uh, those daily formats as well so heading
3: back to the receiving core do you put Andrew Hawkins and Brian Hartline on your watch list and just see what they do the first few weeks of the season yeah That's quite it? possibly I you think you don't uh, consider them like owning them at this
4: point yeah, unless you're I, in a very very deep well, league I, I'm not owning them because of kind of what I was talking about before yeah. the strategy where I go for more upside guys Indeed. who could have potential to break out but I th- I see the two of them pretty much in the same light. I'd say Hartline um a little bit more big play prone, not so much last year with Miami, but the few years before that. Yeah. Whereas Hawkins is more of a possession receiver. Uh 5 foot 9, Andrew Hawkins not trying to be a height supremacist here going <laughs> uh, going all out the league, but um yeah, just nobody that I'm starting and if I'm not starting them these first couple of weeks, I'm owning high upside guys instead. For sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another interesting uh depth chart situation that I took note of today was uh over in Detroit heading up to the uh NFC Central Division where NFC North. Or I'm sorry, NFC The North. old NFC. The uh, old San... NFC Central, back when the Tampa Bay <laughs> Buccaneers were in there. Thanks for the the yeah. heads up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh anyway, Detroit Lions, of course, uh this is a situation a lot of people have wanted to monitor. I've seen Amir Abdullah's Average draft position skyrocket over the course uh, of the preseason here. I did not get any shares of him because I think his price just got a little bit too high for me. And that might have been reaffirmed today because Joyke Bell, who was activated from the IR uh, relatively recently, he's listed at top of the depth chart. And number two goes to Theo Riddick, and Amir Abdullah sits at number three. Now, is this just standard rookie starting at the bottom, kind of trying to put the rookie in his place? Or do we think Amir Abdullah is going to be riding a lot of pine this year? I or think, at least the early parts. Uh,
3: well, like I mentioned with the – yeah, what, what was the other situation? Uh, the the Bills uh, situation. Mm-hmm. I think Theo Riddick is sitting at number two because he's the third down back and yep. the change of pace guy more than anything. I think Bell is getting the benefit of the doubt as the veteran, the guy who signed like a decent extension in the off season, um to be the number one guy. Um, so let's see here um bell didn't get a single touch in the preseason so that's worrisome right yeah it, uh, i mean i know they probably didn't want him to I, okay so he's recovering from the achilles and knee surgeries mm-hmm. the they're probably taking right? it easy with him yeah so they didn't want him like risk any aggravation of those injuries i guess um on the other hand i i do like bell a lot because of uh him finishing within the top 15 to 20 running backs um went in tandem with reggie bush the yeah. last few years you know mm-hmm.
4: yeah i'm I'm right there with you, I think all those guys uh have potential. you might have to pick your weeks at the same time, uh but I'm being a little bit careful and i'm I'm not necessarily I don't know, do you start Joke bell week one if you, if you've got him on your roster um okay,
3: it'll probably come down to his practice participation. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if he's limited like Wednesday, Thursday, and then builds up to a full practice Friday. And if he does that, then I start over, sure. No doubt.
4: Yeah, I I would agree with you there. It's definitely a situation worth monitoring there. Uh, Another running back situation that's absolutely worth monitoring is if we head over to St. Louis here where we go – we go Trey Mason, uh, who's with Todd Gurley's expected to be out. Uh, he's been cleared for contact and whatnot. That's good, but he's still going to miss the first few weeks of the season. A little bit of an unclear picture there, but let's go with what we do have in St. Louis, and that's Trey Mason, who's hampered by his own hamstring injury, and I'm reading today that he's likely going to be a game-time decision for Week 1, so regardless of if he plays or if he doesn't, are you safe putting him in his, in your lineups if you're limited? And if not, are we looking to the Benny Cunningham show yet? Because that's who would be next on the depth chart, logically. Yeah, so Benny Cunningham is um, more so
3: known for a pass catching back than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, in the preseason, he had 14 carries for 33 yards, you know, 2.4 yards per clip. That's, you know, nothing special at all. In his career, he's actually averaging 4.5 yards per carry, though. So it was probably more of a... Issue of sample size. Yep, so sample like size. yeah, you know, look at his last year's line, he has forty five catches in sixteen games. Yeah. You know, he does he can actually run the ball. He <laughs> so um also
4: last year, forty five catches on fifty three targets. Yeah, so very efficient, which is good. Eighty five percent catch rate. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll see how that goes. Now, again, I'm not advising playing Benny Cunningham in a cash game if you're doing like a 50-50 or, or a double up on DraftKings, but he sits at $3,000 on DraftKings right now. So if you're looking for a tournament play and want to maybe toss him in there, of course, uh, just like the Bears situation, you might want to be watching uh, the inactives an hour and a half before game time, before those lineups yeah. lock. Uh, of course, you got to reserve. You might might have to reserve your spot in the Millionaire Maker beforehand just to make sure that, uh, that you have your spot. But after that, I mean, sitting at 3000 he's going to help you go after some big-time wide receivers. And if you're ever going to try to get Julio Jones at 9300 and Odell Beckham at 9200 in your lineups for the Millionaire Maker, you're going to yeah. need to take a hit on some of these $3,000 players. And I don't really see anybody else in that range that could potentially bring more upside there than, than Benny Cunningham. So it is a little bit uh, worrisome that, he, that he's playing Seattle. So he's going to go against the top-tier defense. does yeah. have the home matchup. So uh, not super high on him. But I think if anything, Seattle will help drop his ownership rate and maybe give you more room to profit on the right. off chance that uh, that he gets there. But for $3,000, you're not going to find anybody with a higher snap count, at least I'm saying.
3: Yeah, and uh, daily fantasy like players are getting more savvy by the year too. So they mm-hmm. might see, oh, yeah, the fact that he's going to start um, – you know, a lot of people are going to start him, so I won't start him. On the other hand, then you look at the matchup, and you're like, oh, do do I really want to, like, try to profit from a guy playing the Seattle defense? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. You have to weigh the pros and cons, and, you know, you're right. Like, in a
4: tournament, it's probably mm-hmm.
3: – that's probably the time to bet on him.
4: Yeah, not someone I'd advocate – like, slinging out there in all your lineups, but maybe one or two just in case for yeah. the uh, for the Just ups- to cover your factors. bases. Yeah, exactly. So I, I I just wanted to point this out. Like, I wasn't looking at
3: a Detroit the Detroit Lions matchup in week one. They're playing the Bills. Okay. Um, so that might be that a might little touch and go, too. The, I mean,
4: uh, it, the Bell, Riddick, Riddick, uh, Abdullah yeah, route.
3: Yeah, so if you're considering, like, among the Lions running backs who to start, you probably lean toward Bell, mm-hmm. but if you're weighing again weighing him against it, I don't know who is like
4: in his tier of running backs. I mean, if you were dra- if you were drafting Abdullah, you were probably drafting him as your RB two with with yeah. where his price got up to. But uh, I, you're so gonna like have a tough Alfred time, Morris you
3: know? is probably in his
4: range, right? Yeah, I'd go Alfred Morris well before uh, Joye Bell this week. Um, so
3: it's really like, what is your roster composition? Can you profit from you know the other two more two running
4: backs yeah, I instead mean, on your roster? right around in ADP? Uh, TJ Yeldon's only a couple spots ahead of uh, both yep. Lions running backs. I think he won the starting job today officially, so he'll yep. be he'll he'll be a play over that. Uh, I mean Alfred Morris is in that range. Trey Mason in that range tevin coleman a little bit down i think coleman's the obvious choice over bell in mm-hmm. week one you could even i'd say doug even tone out doug martin or rashad jennings um, yeah those type of guys beforehand so, so
3: yeah it's gonna be matchup base with i mean the detroit situation bell is probably the number one guy
4: mm-hmm.
3: and he'll be off the bat but you know just consider who, who you have on your roster
4: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely and uh let's see i'm gonna go through uh the rest of this news uh just so we can stay on time sure. here. Uh, Victor Cruz dealing with a calf injury, not present at practice Monday. Uh, of course, keeping an eye out on that for maybe Odell Beckham or Reuben Randall to see more targets if, if in fact, he can't go. Uh, some more quick hitters, Roddy White, elbow injury. He returned to practice Tuesday, looking a little bit more optimistic for Sunday. Zach Ertz dealing with a groin injury, apparently looking very iffy for the opener, uh, which also puts owners in a tough spot because it's Monday night against Atlanta. I'd probably take the safe bet and sit Ertz week one but maybe he'll play uh, just some more depth chart updates for those kick return yardage leagues. Dante Moncrief announces the uh, kick returner for the Colts Derek Carrier for the Redskins TJ Jones for the Lions Adam Humphreys for Tampa Bay uh, outside of Moncrief none of those guys are probably being owned in fantasy format so maybe you give Moncrief a little bit of a boost in those kick return leagues more depth chart stuff Bill's quarterback situation we already know Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback there uh, he's followed by Matt Castle And then E.J. Manuel potentially getting ready to be labeled a bust. We'll wait and see. I mentioned Brashad Perriman as a high upside pick uh, for the late rounds. He's unlikely to go week one against Denver if you have him. Hopefully you've got some extra bench spots and some patience. I like his long-term potential, but for the first couple weeks, not so much. Then a little bit of housekeeping. Will Johnson will back up D'Angelo Williams uh, week one Against the Patriots. Of course, D'Angelo Williams has started with Le'Veon Bell suspended. That game is on Thursday night. There are very few daily contests that are counting that Thursday night game, but I did see a couple pop up today. D'Angelo Williams, maybe an okay bet for a uh, for week one daily?
3: Oh, yeah, indeed. Like, I'm using him more so in my uh, season long leagues as mm-hmm. a fill in for. Um,
4: the leagues that I do have Bell. Yeah, I mean, if, that that's mm-hmm. that's mostly when I'm using him. Yeah. If you drafted Bell in the early rounds, you might as well see if you can pick up DeAndre Williams in the late rounds just so you have a, a starting option, I guess, for Week 1 and Week 2. Yeah, I don't know if I want to use a running back that's facing off against the Super Bowl champs and the Pats, but... Well, we'll, I'll have to look into the situation a little more. Yeah, always a bit of a shaky situation there. Well, fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week one, DraftKings will be hosting the biggest fantasy football contests ever, giving out over $10 million in prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free for your shot at $1 million in cash prizes in the week one play action contest. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, well, that's going to take us into the second part of our show today, and we're going to head over to the AFC. We've got some over-under win totals uh, that are always a fun conversation starter here. Eric, we're going to start in the AFC East, where and we'll take it from the bottom up here, looking at the New York Jets with an over-under of 7.5. Five, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick, their starting quarterback there, after the Geno Smith locker room incident that resulted in a broken jaw. But they've got some decent offensive weapons there. Do you think they can get to five hundred this year? I mean, their
3: success is going to be predicated upon the defense more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they brought back Antonio Cromartie, and he's probably was spurred into his decision because Todd Bowles was actually the Arizona Cardinals' uh, defensive coordinator last year. So, and that, that's, of course, where Cromarty played. Mm-hmm. I, the worrisome thing about him is that he gives up big plays. So, yep. I mean, he makes his own share of big plays, of course. The, mm-hmm. He'll probably have a handful of interceptions. But I, it's going to be more about the success of or failure of the defense. And mm-hmm. I, they're obviously – that that's the strength of their team. Yep. On the other side of the ball, I do like Fitzpatrick a lot. I mean, he – he went to Harvard. Come on, yeah. uh, but no. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, he'll provide more stability than. Or sorry, uh, sorry. Who's uh, uh,
4: the
3: Geno Smith? Geno Smith. There we go. The, yeah, the, of the jaw, the broken jaw, dude. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I think he provides more stability, st- more stability than Geno Smith. Uh, and having weapons like Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker to throw to, you know, yeah. can argue with
4: that. Yeah, if that makes Fitzpatrick Maybe a bit of a low-end tournament play. They do draw the Browns week one. I like Chris Ivory on DraftKings at 4,100. I think that's a good play. As yeah. far as the Jets on the whole, I'm going to take the under on 7.5. Just not overly optimistic about them. I'm uh, going to go on the record with that. Moving okay. on to the Bills, uh, projected for third place with an over-under win total of 8.5. We already went through their running back situation for week one and their receiver battle. But uh, with that talent and maybe questionable quarterback play, do you think they go over-under 8.5, air? um i'm gonna put them in the same boat as the jets and say under and until they
3: actually i mean you do like you have to like the fact that they have a a stable coaching staff now Mm -hmm. and with rex ryan helm helmed a team but yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's probably the toughest one of Mm -hmm. the four
4: here Yeah, Bills possibly looking to get into the playoffs for the first time in a while. And of course, this division always shaken up with the uh, announcement that Tom Brady's suspension has been lifted, Mm -hmm. exonerated, ready to go. But uh, I'm also going to go ahead and take the under uh, eight and a half with the Bills. I mean, the range... In this division is seven and a half to ten and a half with the Patriots, of course, at the top. So they think uh, a lot of parity. <laughs> yeah, basically. And I'm, I'm with the bottom two teams. I'm going to go under, and with the top two teams, I'm going to go over. Uh, moving over to Miami is a team that really intrigues me a bit. we have got some solid receivers, expecting a healthy Lamar Miller and a progressing Ryan Tannehill, and of course, we have the addition of Jordan Cameron. They're putting Miami's over under at an even nine. Uh, what 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 are you thinking there? Is is that uh, valid? Or do you think I, I'm almost ready to go push here at nine wins I think that's a safe assessment for this team I I would say push as well for sure yeah
3: I mean you gotta like the fact too they brought in in Tom against that's gonna like shore up everything defensively even if they are a little touchy in the you know secondary
4: yeah that's gonna be just a force to anchor that defense in the middle now of course heading over to New England over under ten and a half, and (laughs) and just because of the way this division going the way they have Tom Brady back the way that team is energized and the weapons that they have uh, I'm gonna say over on New England yeah, ten and a half. They're, they're, I think they get at least eleven or twelve wins this year. Are You with me? Yeah, they're gonna be in F
3: mo- F U mode, like they
4: were in 2007. Yeah, I'm right. They're yeah. just, they're
3: probably gonna. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just rack up the score. On teams yeah. this I year. mean,
4: yeah, and that's something that Belichick has been known to do. And of course, uh, yeah, they're not gonna have Garrett Blunt for Week One, but then yeah. he'll be back, and and you're sitting with guys like Brandon Bolden, James White, Deion Lewis. They always seem to find someone to tote the rock there, yep. one way or the other. There, so yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not a huge Patriots fan by any means, but I think they pull off 11 or 12 wins this year uh, for sure, almost a certainty there. Uh, we're going to move on over to the AFC West. We'll uh, switch gears, take this one from top to bottom, starting with the Denver Broncos, over, under at 10.5. Do uh, you know what kind of offensive firepower they bring? A little bit of a relatively new coaching regime there. Uh, this is a very tough one for me because um, I want to take the under on Denver, but I'm not entirely sure. Who steps up and wins that division? San Diego always seems respectable. Kansas City maybe takes the leap, but I don't know. The comp- competition in that division, uh, I mean, it's, it's quite tough. So when you look
3: at KC, their defense is going to be the same as always, right? Mm-hmm. Like they haven't, they didn't really lose anybody. So they're going to be, you know, stingy to say the least. Uh, but we talked about Jeremy Macklin coming in uh, earlier. That, that explosive element to the offense, maybe gives them enough to, you know, make me go, hey, I'll take the over on eight and a half for KC. And I don't know if that's
4: enough to actually overtake Denver, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. You got to like KC. Yeah, I think if they get, it could still end up where KC ends up nine and seven and the Broncos end up 10-6, and six, and you're taking the under on the Broncos in that situation yeah. and the over on the Chiefs, but yet it'd be the Broncos that gets into the playoffs. I worry a little bit about Peyton Manning this year getting up there in age and, and uh, losing some of his weapons.
3: This division almost always has a team, at least in the last four, and f- four to five years, that actually gets a wild card spot, mm-hmm. and that usually means they get nine or ten wins. Yep. And both San Diego and KC are at eight and a half, mm-hmm. so... I don't know, do you like KC or San Diego to like
4: surpass that better? I like Kansas City a little bit better uh, just because of the defensive aspect that For we sure. discussed earlier. One thing that's been surprising is uh, Kansas City defense was a was a team that I picked up in like three leagues last year on the waiver wire, mm-hmm. and I tend to stream defenses from week to week, and they turned out to be a, a team very, you a, kept around. Yeah, probably. a team I kept around. It actually <laughs> make things easier on me as far yeah. as my fantasy football team management, especially if they have – uh D'Anthony Thomas maybe returning some kicks this year. Yeah. Uh of course that's only going to help their case and they've got plenty of weapons on the defensive side there. Good pass rushers, good front front seven there. So sure, pretty optimistic about that. I mean if
2: so like if a you,
3: little bit more than the Chargers. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and if you turn back to the Chargers, you know, um Phillip Rivers is not gonna have his old reliable Julius Thomas for some time.
4: And mm-hmm. just Wait, uh, Antonio Gates, you I mean Julius? Yeah. Julius Thomas, another player that will be out for the first month of the season, but Antonio Gates does have and, that four-game suspension. Yeah, I'm so. sorry, uh, a former NFC or AFC West tight end, but now is not,
3: mm-hmm. out, of course, out there. Never played for the Chargers. Apologies for that. Uh, Antonio Gates is suspended for the first three games of the season, mm-hmm. so it seems like San Diego is going to overcome. Have to overcome what they usually do is a slow start to the season, and. Maybe perhaps starting one and two or oh and three and having to like attempt to make the playoffs that makes me want to take the under on eight and a half
4: yep yeah you know what I, I kind of like I can buy the under they're always an eight and eight team I think yeah. they're just as likely to go nine and seven as eight and eight but yeah. regardless in this division with how tough it is that might put them a game out of the playoffs so and yeah, the a fact that's optimistic there
3: and the fact that the Raiders are rising, perhaps.
4: Yeah, Raiders on the rise, a team over under at a six even. Do you think they can maybe steal an extra divisional win there and get to seven wins this year? <laughs> probably not, but I mean,
3: they're probably gonna be an exciting team at at the very least, mm-hmm. especially adding guys like adding a guy like Mari Cooper and unleashing Latavius Murray.
4: Yep. If it was the over under of five and a half, I'd probably take yeah. the over But I'm going to avoid this bet uh, at an even six. I just don't think there's a lot of room for profit there. Seven wins is pretty generous for this Raiders. Yes, and six and ten seems reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's head on over to the AFC North. Um, Of course, Baltimore seems to be the perennial favorites in this division, but we all know what that Pittsburgh offense is capable of. But the win total numbers, we're looking at uh, Baltimore over under 9.5, Pittsburgh over under 8.5. Now, I think that... Both of those could end up over. Are, are you with me there? Or do you think Cincinnati can take a... Uh, Cincinnati has the same over-under as Pittsburgh, actually, 8.5. Um, I still I actually think Pittsburgh wins this division uh, the way they're at. They're a little bit shorthanded early on, but once they get to full strength, uh, I, I can see them going on a roll and not looking back. Might be one of the better offenses in the league if this not, year.
3: Yeah, I mean,
4: since uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are
3: consensus top five picks right no matter what Mm -hmm. like yeah their their offense is going to be incredibly explosive uh their has looked very touchy though in the preseason so i think they're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts and Mm -hmm. it'll just depend on like how those hash out at the end i guess
4: yeah i mean how many teams have had or how many years have there been the same player averaging one two in average draft position uh among all drafts of course talking about bell and antonio brown and of course this is nffc where the ppr makes quite a bit of difference. But I don't remember that since maybe the greatest show on turf. But even then, I don't think you could justify Kurt Warner or Torrey Holt or Isaac Bruce with the number two pick uh, after Marshall Falk.
3: Yeah, at that time, uh, quarterbacks were less valued. Like the entire first round was basically composed of running backs. So, yeah, maybe at the end of the season you could warrant like Warner having been like the second overall pick. But, (laughs) you know, it's just the way drafts broke down 15 years ago.
4: Mm -hmm. yeah so in summary here taking the over on baltimore i'm taking the under on cincinnati which is eight and a half just because andy dalton you (laughs) um i'm taking the over on pittsburgh that uh, their defense is going to be bad but their offense will make up for it they're a team that will get to the playoffs with a high seed i don't think they'll necessarily do a bunch of damage once they do get there um but i still think they'll get more than they'll get nine or more wins finally there's a talk about uh, Cleveland Browns over under six and a half. Now I'm pretty close to this, so it's very tough uh, for me to predict this. But at six and a half, uh, I'll let you go first, and then I'll tell you if I agree. I think this is way too high, way too high. I'm right there, on board. Like two <laughs> or three,
3: three wins for them this year, maybe. Yeah,
4: I, four wins is probably my prediction. I think okay. uh, just because the division's I mean, tough. Th- I, I there's I, always
3: and there's always a team though that you know just cannot get there's always the a surprise win.
4: team but I don't think Josh McCown's going to be leading that team when it when it's all said and done yeah. And I, I, I don't know if they'll go to Manziel their receivers are terrible their running back situation a little iffy mm. uh, of course Crowell probably going to be the main guy like we discussed a little bit earlier if there's any bright spot it's the there's two aspects of the team that you like it's the offensive line and the defense and the offensive line is part of what makes Crowell too intriguing but do I think that will make them win seven games absolutely not that's an easy under for me
3: So just one last question before we turn to the AFC South. Do you think Andy Dalton holds on to his job the entire season?
4: Oh, man. Because I was having a discussion
3: recently with uh, a buddy, and we noticed that we saw a little of A.J. McCarron behind him in the preseason. Mm -hmm. And every time you looked at the respective lines, McCarron was much better in yards per attempt um, and had a higher quarterback rating. He was just running that offense
4: more effectively. Yeah, and I think part of the reason—I mean, I think Andy Dalton should be writing weekly checks to A.J. Green because that's part of the reason (laughs) why he ended up getting a six-year, $115 million contract with the Bengals just over a year ago in August of 2014. So if there's anything that's keeping him in the starting role, it's that because you're sitting on— you're eating about $80 million if you give up on the guy right now. But, again, yeah. his performance is going to dictate that. Last year, pretty disappointing. Uh, just under 3,400 yards through the air, 19 touchdowns, 17 picks. I mean, so, Andy Dalton.
3: So people love Tim Tebow, right, because, you know, he was a winner in college and mm-hmm. he was, uh, you know, um, pull him up by his bootstraps or whatever you want to say in, like, Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, but agent McCarron had similar success in college like he was yeah. always a winner at alabama and he actually has a talent
4: yeah he can actually throw the ball not as much yeah. of a runner as tebow but you're not going to see too many sub 50 percent completion percentages on that team i especially mean especially when you have weapons like giovanni bernard to throw two out of the backfield, jeremy hill to tote the rock aj green to basically be your Calvin johnson go up and yeah. get it guy and tyler eifert who i think is a breakout candidate for this year
3: so if you're sorry last question in this division but if you're uh GM around the league are you sending like offers to Cincinnati's GM every single day?
4: Yeah, I to mean try to get AJ McCarron. There's plenty of teams that could use a guy like AJ McCarron. I think I mean granted it's the preseason got to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. Yeah, I understand. But at the same time uh he's he the play quarterback in in this league and if if we get to week 8 and Dalton sitting there with six touchdowns and 12 interceptions you want to the make play the call. Will dictate that. Maybe maybe they'll make the call at that point. But yeah. it, it won't be necessarily be the long term deal. Maybe I, I don't know how benching a guy in the second year of that huge contract benefits you in any way. Yeah. They just they dug themselves a hole with that. And that's part of the reason I might take the under on the eight and a half there. Yeah. All right. But let's move on to the AFC South. We'll work from the bottom up. This looks like the most bottom heavy division that we've <laughs> uh that we've discussed so far. We're sitting with Tennessee and Jacksonville, both of them over under. 5.5, 5, uh, out of the two of those teams, I'm almost inclined to go under on both, but out of the two of those teams, which one has the best chance of getting six or more wins? Ooh. That's really tough. I, I, I think I know my answer, but uh, it, it's close here. And, and it really depends sh- on how the young quarterbacks, I think, if you like Marcus Mariota or if you like Blake Bortles to take that extra step in, in his sophomore campaign. Well, okay,
3: Bortles is probably or more than likely going to have the higher interception percentage mm-hmm. among his p- passes and we saw Marcus Mariota was very very safe like he always made the smart throw or smart read mm-hmm. and notoriously in training camp he went you know two or three weeks without throwing a pick before he threw his first pick in training camp mm-hmm. uh the fact that Tennessee might have an advantage in terms of turnover differential mm. Makes me lean that direction more so than Jacksonville.
4: Yeah, the the possession and the more favorable situations there with Tennessee. Uh, I like and I, you mentioned. I take those training camp stats with a grain of salt. Oh, this is like the indeed. first time I've I've seen everyone keep track of all these training camp stats. Well, uh, we hear it up in Green Bay. Well, Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions during camp, and he's never thrown an interception during camp before. And yeah, that, that can't it, be like, right. <laughs> like that kind of stuff is uh, is just mind blowing. So I understand. Praise the kid for accuracy, but to go through these training camp stats, yeah. maybe not so much. I mean,
3: so it, it's more when it comes to Mariota, it, it's more about his play at Oregon previously than it is, you know, his training camp and lack of throwing yeah. inter, inter, interceptions there.
4: Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. I do think Bortles gets a little bit better. Sure. I still think he'll find himself maybe in the fifteen twenty interception range. He did yeah. throw seventeen well, last year, but I like his yeah. I like his rushing ability, and I know we you, you, you normally think of that with Mariota, but Uh, Bortles has the bigger frame and can possibly take a few more pops. And I just, I really like the weapons that Bortles has around him. If TJ Yeldon pans out, that's going to be good news for them. Uh, If Denard Robinson can always relieve him there. And then this receiving core, I've got high hopes for Allen Robinson this year. And then behind them, they've got Allen Hearns. And if Marquis Lee can ever get healthy, I think he's a true threat, especially in the screen and in the slots there. And then, uh, you know, a month into the season, when they get Julius Thomas back, hopefully, there's... Plenty of offensive weapons there, and I compare that to the Tennessee Titans' skill position. I mean, their running back situation is basically a mess with Bishop Sankey and Terrence West. Of course, David Cobb was a high upside play sitting on the injured reserve right now. Tennessee receivers, Kendall Wright, Harry Douglas, Justin Hunter, not really that high on Delaney Walker this year. So uh, when comparing those two side-by-side, I really do like the skill positions of jacksonville more but i think the defense is a little bit better um in in tennessee there so there's I, I, it's so it's really close but
3: i guess when it comes to borals i'd like to see him improve upon a 59 percent completion percentage from his rookie season mm-hmm. and that probably fed into his you know elevated interception total as well but I, I i don't know i think it might be more like on the defense defenses the respective defenses mm-hmm.
4: Um, which would you lean toward, Tennessee or Jacksonville? I I'm, maybe I've been talking to Rotowires Nick Whalen too much, big <laughs> Jags fan, but I think I'm going to lean towards the Jags in this one. I like those weapons. Okay. Uh, one last point I want to make on these two teams is that. Both offensive lines ranked in our bottom four, Tennessee 29th overall, Jacksonville so they're 31 be... overall. So not great health, not great stability, and aren't going to make things easier on these young players.
3: So these quarterbacks are going to be running for their lives, essentially?
4: Yeah, quite possibly. And when they're running for their lives, I can see your point how Mary, maybe Mariota makes a, a few better decisions. But I, I guess only time will tell. I think Bortles just has a few better options to dump the ball off to. So
3: in Rotowire's defensive rankings, Jacksonville is 27 and Tennessee is 30. Ooh, I I don't. I think the safe play is just go under for both teams.
4: Yeah, the safer play is to go under, but that's why I wanted to make the question a little yeah. more interesting, saying yeah. which team is more likely to go over. Yeah. Well, let's just move up uh, on the division now. Houston Texans. Uh, we talk about bad defenses. Now let's talk about a good defense, a scary good defense mm. that I don't I don't want to be starting opposing quarterbacks again because they're going to get hammered. Now the Texans. I think they have a relatively low over under number sitting at eight and a half. Uh, but of course underperforming a little bit last season and what was their record last year do you uh, remember off the top I, of your head no, I don't look on the top up. of my head I'm trying to see if I can I can uh, find it but I, I believe it was under 500 yeah uh, of course they didn't get to van Clowney for a lot of the season yeah. now the reason that that over under total sits at 8.5 I think you can make a good case that it's because of Brian Horrier as their starting quarterback now they've got weapons like DeAndre Hopkins Bringing in Cecil Shorts, and of course, uh, eventually Arian Foster will be back until then. Alfred Blue totes the rock. But eight and a half, I think, I, I don't know, yesterday DVR and Nick thought it was a little bit low, but considering their quarterback, considering the absence of Arian Foster, uh, maybe it's not so low. I still think they can just barely get a game above well, 500 this year. I guess we were both wrong. The Texans were nine and seven last year. Oh, really? Well, they must have turned things around. I thought it was close to 500. Yeah. Well,. Misconception. So, that is uh, my bad.
3: No, like I was thinking the exact same thing. So they actually ended the season winning four of their last five and five of their last seven. So they started off very slow and actually came on strong. So I I like the fact that they have like Winnie ways on their side. Mm-hmm.
4: And you know a and team with their JJ def- Watt
3: on it isn't going to let up at any time. Yeah, their soon. defense is just going to be up. even stronger than yeah. it was previously. Especially like getting that anchor in the middle and Vince Wilfork.
4: Yeah, and if uh, of course, uh, yeah, the Wilfork thing helps the the run clogging ability. And if they get Javion Clowney really coming full speed from the other side, if he can play sixteen games this year, that's just going to be nightmares for opposing quarterbacks because you absolutely cannot single team JJ Watt. That's out of the question. Imagine
3: he, he's going. He's getting to go against the Tennessee and
4: Jacksonville offensive lines four times this year. Yes. Yeah, that's, oh my God. They might be the top fantasy <laughs> defense. We've got them up there. Uh, I know Buffalo's up there. Everyone likes to think of Seattle as the top fantasy defense. Uh, but I could very much see Houston coming across as, yeah. as the top defense when it's all said and done there. So for that reason, if they did get to nine last year, that just cements it for me. I'm going to take the over on the Texans. Yeah. Lastly, Indianapolis Colts with an over-under of 10.5. Uh, there's maybe some question marks going on there, but at the same time, they're still the favorites, and rightfully so, Andrew Luck's the man in that division. They've they've got some weapons, of course, uh, pretty good receivers there, and uh, tight end pass catching options. Defense and O-line getting a little bit better. Do you think they can get to 11 wins?
3: Everybody, it's everybody's favorite Super Bowl, you know. Uh, pick from the AFC, yep. right? So I think a lot of it is pr- is can they get a, an effective running game going, and uh, Frank or you know arrive to potentially mm-hmm. shore that up. But do you think that he can actually do that? Like, can he actually provide some balance on that side?
4: Well, what I think. I'm not really high on Frank Gore from a fantasy standpoint, but I think he's going to be a pretty good real life contributor for the Colts, just the veteran presence and a little bit of consistency. I mean, he's, probably better than anyone that had toting the rock in the last couple of years. Uh, Dan Heron, who I was a little bit high on early on, he's got his injury, his fair share of injury issues, and uh, he's not really going to threaten uh, Gore for reps early on. But I'm still a little bit hesitant on Gore from a fantasy standpoint. That being said, I think Luck and that receiving core can do sure. enough offensively to get them to 11 wins. Yeah. But when they get to the playoffs, I still think they're going to have a very tough time getting around New England. Sure. So Gore will help them you know,
3: sustain drives, but when they get down near you know, the red zone and goal line. They're mm-hmm. gonna be like luck is gonna be targeting Andre Johnson and the tight ends.
4: Yeah, especially uh, He loves Dwayne Allen in the red zone. He loves yeah. Colby Fleener between the twenties. I always say this week, Fleener and Allen neck and neck in average draft <laughs> position. PPR league, Fleener, no PPR, Allen is how it goes just because of sure. the touchdown. Fleener will catch a lot more passes. Allen will catch a, I'm, I'm, a few more touchdowns. So I'm still not liking
3: Indy's defense outside of Vontae Davis. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, having
4: the shutdown corner helps things out quite a bit. Yeah. 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 So like I said, uh, I'm just going to reemphasize. I think they've offensively enough firepower to get to 11, maybe 12 wins. But when they get to the playoffs, uh, they're going to have a tough time going, uh, going over New England again sure. this season, yeah. which will be tough. Yeah. When they have to go outdoors, too, they might have some issue. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> yeah, after they're so used to playing indoors there. Well, that does it for the... AFC teams as far as over under win totals get some predictions on the table before things kick off Thursday. We want to thank you for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Football podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. Also remember to check out RotoWire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com/pod. That's rotowire.com/pod. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed your long weekend. Once again, I'm Jake Letarski. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski52, and I'm sitting here with...
3: And this is Eric Coturi, and you can find me on Twitter at etcat30.
4: All right, thanks again for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back with you on Wednesday.